You're listening to the Goop Podcast, made possible by our friends at Blue Diamond. We're big snackers around the Goop office. You know the drill. Three o'clock rolls around and you find yourself reaching for whatever is lying around in striking distance. Last resort snacking, as it turns out, usually isn't all that satisfying, which is why we decided to give our snack drawers a makeover and stock them with Blue Diamond whole natural almonds. I go for handfuls before meetings, often multiple handfuls if I'm honest, because they're that good. Between the fats and minerals in Blue Diamond's non-parel supreme almonds, they're significantly healthier than popping candy or chips throughout the day, and they actually tide me over until dinner time. Head over to goop.com for some recipes made with Blue Diamond whole natural almonds. Hey again, it's Elise Lunen, Goop's chief content officer. Every week on the Goop podcast, Gwyneth or I sit down with leading thinkers, top doctors, researchers, and visionaries. We talk about breaking down barriers, and we learn a lot. If you tune in regularly, thank you. And you'll know that we normally drop episodes on Thursdays, but now we have three special back-to-back Tuesday episodes. The first aired last week. All three are talks from our recent InGoop Health Summit in Vancouver, a city that I fell even more in love with. If you haven't been to InGoop Health yet, it's designed to be a transformative experience based on the premise that slight shifts and small changes can add up. On today's episode, I'm talking with a personal hero of mine, Gabby Reese. I think in a way what I'm learning in training, in marriage, in parenting, and even in aging, quite frankly, is just to be willing to adapt all the time, um, because that's how we navigate these unknowns um, Mm -hmm. that are ever-changing. As much as we don't want them to change, they will be changing. Gabby is a world-class athlete and the New York Times bestselling author of My Foot is Too Big for the Glass Slipper, which is an on-point book title that I can relate to. Gabby is a former professional beach volleyball player and Nike's first female spokeswoman. She's had a few other careers too, including modeling. And she's known in part for her thoughtful perspective on strength, beauty, and redefining our relationships to our bodies. I can't wait for you to hear from Gabby, so let's jump into it. I look monochromatic. I I need to comment on everyone's outfit. I'm uh, I'm trying to... Uh, channel Brendan Maxwell. I'm sort of obsessed with him right now because all his pants look long. Let's just get to that. But anyway. That's true. Uh, I can't imagine what it was like for you to find pants with the appropriate inseam. Was like? Yeah. Is still? I'm, I sleep with people to get pants long enough. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, seriously, people, I go to events and they go, why are you wearing that? I'm like, it fits. I don't know. Like, pretty much that's it. Well, I personally want to thank you for being such an incredible physical role model when I was a child. Oh, thank you. And um, I was thinking about this earlier. I don't know. I'm sure many of us are around the same age. And I feel like you and sort of the models of your era were so, like, beautiful and strong and had bodies. And then I don't know what happened. I remember as a child... Um, it was Kate Moss's big oh, yeah. moment. It was right when I was, I was five foot seven. I remember I was the exact same height as Kate Moss. And I think Vogue said, oh, and she weighs like 102 pounds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I am 130 pounds. Yeah. Um, and it was the first moment when I was like, wow, I'm a big girl. Well, listen, it's always interesting. You know, I'm six foot three and I weigh 180 pounds. And... Um, I used to play volleyball with girls, though, that were 
200 pounds and could jump over 30 inches. And I was like, oh, I just, I need to get bigger. But, uh, and then I'd go to work in New York and they'd be cutting and cinching. And I'm like, I need to get smaller. And, and um, I'll, I'll put it to you in a tale that made it really easy for me. When I was 18 and I was living this sort of dual life, um, and really out of necessity, it's not that I didn't have an interest in fashion, I just was paying the bills. I was an independent person and I was in school on a scholarship and stuff. And so I'd be in New York and I'd go to work, literally like British Vogue, Albert Watson, and you'd be with girls so beautiful that you thought, who looks like that? You know, like... Well, you do. No, I mean like... Um. <laughs> and, you know, they're eating green apple and they seem maybe not that stoked and you're just like, okay... And then you fly, you go to Tallahassee, you're in a gym, it's sweaty, you're stinky, you're wearing really ugly practice clothing, maybe girls have a few blemishes, their butts may be a little big, they're robust, they're confident, they're certainly having a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I realized right then and there at 18 that perfectly beautiful is not the answer to happiness. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was, uh, that was fortunate for me. But um, what else you start to do, being in sports and other, is celebrating what's great about other women, their mm -hmm. other talents, their gifts, their, you know, whatever things they have and, and, and try not to compete with them because that's right. sort of a waste of time. And do you feel like your, you know, your background in sports sort of kept you moored because like you still needed to perform? Like was that yeah. your safety net? Well, it was something I was in charge of. It was a skill set. If I practiced harder, chances were I would improve. Going to castings, um, you know, I can't control how people are reacting. And if they're looking for a five foot nine Asian girl for the job, I'm probably not going to get it. So I think you, I learned very quickly that the things I could control, uh, that's why I have three daughters myself. And I always say, listen, okay, pretty's bonus, but if you can have a skill that you can be in charge of, I think that's where the real power lies because not only do people respond off of your energy of having a feeling pretty good that you have a skill, but if it's not the way you want it, it's like being personally accountable, you can change it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important message always, but even more so now where we say to girls it's important to be strong or to be self-defined and to hear your own voice. But yet if we look, for example, at their world, if a professional athlete maybe has 100,000 followers or 400,000 followers and other girls who every shot literally is of a body part and they have 12 million, how do we compete with that message? Yeah. You know, so it's just, I think it's, it's getting them, it, it's, a, it's a trick, and I say this as a parent. Yeah. Um, I'm always trying to figure out because I don't understand. I'm not growing up with that hard wiring. Yeah. And so it's a dance, for sure. And how your daughters seem incredibly strong, like you. And I know your, your daughter is, is she your height yet? Or she's six feet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a daughter that just turned 15. She's about six feet. But she weighs about 175 pounds. Going back to your 130 yeah. to 102, is, um, she did a video with me when she was 13. And she probably won't be as tall as I am, but she is a bigger girl. Like, her bones are bigger. And she's a glorious, beautiful girl, and, and she seems to have made peace with that. But if she was sort of saying, oh, well, I should weigh this much or that much, it's like, how can we compare? And how do you, do you has she figured that all out on her own? Or do you have sort of, does, does it bother? Is she like, has she ever phased by the fact that she weighs 175 pounds? Only when you go shopping. I'm telling you, it messes with you. <laughs> I've got, I think I've done my own crying and 
in dressing rooms. I've been with my husband, and he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, I am serious. Like, <laughs> we're in all of Bergdorf, and I can't find literally, you know, okay, a shirt, big deal. So I think for her, it's, it's just like, oh, you have something, and you can't find anything to wear. I'm like, I so get it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, this is, these are, sm- I have a friend who, it's kind of great coming from him. He's a seven-foot uh, professional basketball player, and he was leaving my house, and he had to go make this announcement that was sort of difficult. And I said, hey, good luck with that. And he goes, you know, it's a small thing to a giant. And mm-hmm. I think if we can all that. be giants, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be literally, we don't have to be seven feet tall. But sometimes if we can just be giants in our own life, most of it is pretty small. Yeah, no. It's interesting, too. Like, I'm, I'm only 5'10", but I was still always the tall girl, and my husband's maybe two inches taller. But there's also some, and I, when I was pregnant, I mean, I, like, Im- immediately weighed more than he did. Oh, yeah. And there's so much <laughs> pressure there's this like expectation of difference, right? That you'll be married to a guy who's just like so much bigger and mm-hmm. you're going to be dainty. And you clearly like, are you guys the same height, you and Laird? No, no, I'm, I'm taller than Laird. Wow. I need to be. I need every bit I can get. <laughs> it's, been, it's been 23 years and I'm just like, oh, is this guy going to get tired or what? <laughs> I, I just keep standing really tall. Um, no, listen, I think it's, we're all fighting our, our, own, our yeah. own race. And, and as far as like male and female, you know, I think that that is a, is a I think we are different. Mm-hmm. And I think the way our brains work generally for the most part is different. I think there's a lot of sort of some biological differences. But I think when we walk around comparing to what the world is telling us versus what feels really good to us. Yeah. That's where we always get into trouble. So if you have a partner that you're like, this is my partner, and that feels good and right to both of you, I don't, I don't think it really matters what the outside world says. I, I get it. It's hard, though. Is it? T- I don't know. I feel like you have to be... T- do you get, I mean, I feel like you need to be tough. No, you, to have, like, you have to decide. You have to decide. I think so. I think, I think you have to decide, and then... I say that there's sometimes a moment in the morning I get up and sometimes it takes me three seconds, sometimes it takes me three minutes and I've had days, I swear to you, it takes 45 minutes and I'm like, I'm not going to get out of the bed until I've decided. Mm. Meaning, how am I going to take on the day? How do I feel about the day? How do I feel about my life? Am I going to go downstairs with optimism? Because you know those days you feel down about whatever you feel down about? And I think it's the constant decision. You're making the decision. And I, and I know it's easier. You know, my one daughter that you're talking about said to me once last year, actually, she said, you know, what might be easy for you may not be easy for me. Mm. And so I think it's also saying, where are my chinks in my armor and how do I create, you know, systems to, to do it the way I'm, I'm trying to do it. What is that process of deciding like? Is it just like a, a check-in? It is. It's a big check-in, and it's it's uh, it's sort of like straight talk, you know. Like, hey, you know, what is it that you're going to put energy towards today, and what is it that you're thankful for, and why are you feeling down or afraid, which mm-hmm. then can turn to anger or other things, mm-hmm. and get keep getting to that root mm-hmm. and being honest with yourself and saying, okay, I'm going to decide because also, I think when we go down and we meet the world, our family, our friends, our workplace, we by that decision, I think that's mostly what's coming back. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's doing that enough times to, to go, it's, it's worth it. And then, you know, if you're down and out, you're down and out. 
and that's okay too. But I think most days it, it's you gotta kind of man up or woman up or whatever you want to call it. Get out of bed. Yeah, and just but be honest. Like I don't think it's about suppressing because that doesn't really work. Ignoring doesn't work. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking yeah. about looking at it and saying, okay, who do I want to be? Who am I trying to be? And keep mm-hmm. deciding to do that. So let's talk a bit about sort of the process of aging and strength. And, yeah. and Gwyneth likes to say that she feels like she got an upgrade when she was 40. What does that mean? Like she just feels, not to, to channel her, but that she, she doesn't really care what other people think about yes. her. She yes. sort of doubled down on her health and yes. staying strong. Mm-hmm. And I've worked out next to her. Like, she is strong. You're, you could probably win I, I know an arm is, I think I could, think I think could, I could just her? lean on her. And just, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's possible. I'm just kidding. But uh, you could It's like Shaq. He just laid on everybody. Uh, <laughs> no, I agree with that. Do you feel like you are as strong as you were when you were in college? 30 years ago? Yeah. In some ways, I, I certainly am. And in some ways, I'm stronger. And in some ways, I would say I'm not as explosive. Yeah. Um, also, but I don't do as many ex- as explosive things. But yes, I mean, I train still very, very hard. And actually, 40 is interesting. It's sort of late 40s I'm finding to be different. Mm. But yeah, you can still be strong like a beast, in, for sure, your whole life. Yeah. Um, I'm not seeing that diminishing. I'm seeing the, some of the explosiveness mm-hmm. diminishing. So I'm actually adding more of that in than I even had in my late 30s. Is that part of your... Because you have a whole workout, right? I have several whole yeah. workouts. <laughs> but isn't, aren't you guys, don't you yes. like put people in pools and make them yeah, like so my, kill themselves dragging No, things? no killing, no killing. <laughs> that would be easy to do. It's living that's hard, right? Um, no. <laughs> Is, uh, we, so Laird and I have for years, for 10, more than 10 years, we're doing something uh, that they call now XPT and... Um, what it was is, is there's so many benefits to training in water, but swimming is, for some of us, it's a little monotonous. Yeah. And I bow to the swimmers, but it's not for me. And Laird's always looking for ways to improve in water. And so we started doing things, um, you know, with dumbbells and 13 feet, feet of water, uh, explosive jumps on inclines, maximum hold breaths, things like that. So you increase your lung capacity. Training from your neck down in water um, is like training in compression. Mm. And then also you're kinder to your joints. So again, speaking of ways of how do I... It's not about, oh, well, the way I've always done it isn't working. Well, we're, we're supposed to adapt and change always. So it's about adapting and changing and saying, okay, I'm going to do 100 jumps, but I'm going to do them in water and things mm. like that. So that's uh, one of the things we do. We do a lot of heat and ice. Uh, for those of you... I mean, heat and ice have been around forever. It's like breathing. We've been doing a lot of breathing. And, I'm, you know, I always laugh. It's like organic and bone broth. People, it's like, you know, if you talk to a grandmother, she'd be like, wow, you guys are genius. <laughs> I mean, we're just, I mean, it's like we're really just going back to the basics, right? <laughs> Trying to incorporate it and actually almost get away from some certain parts of the high tech. Yeah. And don't let the high tech get in the way of things that are fundamentally important. Mm-hmm. It's like the truth, honesty, hard work. But also in training, there's some things that are fundamentally really important. And one of them is actually hard work. Mm. You have to put tension on the system in order to have change and growth. So, and then I do have a, a land, a circuit workout that I do a few days a week where there's quite a bit of jumping and, and moving around. So what we would call probably hit. What is a day in your household like? I follow you on Instagram. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you guys follow her, but it's like fascinating watching the two of you. 
Is it? I think it's fascinating. Sometimes I like, don't think so. I'm like, here we are, one more day. I know. Don't you guys ever feel like that? <laughs> I tried to write a book called Death by Domestication, but they weren't going for it. <laughs> Seriously. You have a second career in naming books. I have a lot of names for books. But, and I see it in my husband's eyes. I see him and I look at him and I'm like, I'm so sorry. It's just us here. Yeah. Um, is he like a caged animal? He is. He totally is like a caged animal, but he's the greatest. He's such a wonderful husband and father. But then simultaneously, he looks at all of us and he's like, God, there's just so much estrogen in this house. And there's been no big waves lately. And I'm like, I'm so, so sorry. Here's dinner. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But um, <laughs> I think our house is not so different than any other house, to be honest with you. Really? I think it, you know, from the outside, it might be like there's some elements that are different, like our jobs are weird. But I mean, Lots of ice baths. Yeah, but if we were in the Scandinavian countries, the sauna and the, the ice, yeah, it'd be like, okay. I think, you know, listen, we're doing the same thing that everyone's doing is how are we navigating a relationship, our own personal health, parenting, mm-hmm. which is the mother of all, right? Uh, it's the hardest ever-changing one. And, but we do believe in family dinner, so we do sit around a dinner table every night. I think one thing that I have learned, especially for my husband, is a daily kind of, he's a clear the decks kind of guy. So if I act weird for more than sort of six minutes, he's like, what's up? <laughs> so if you ask me what are the, one of the things that really is helpful is, is that, and it's, you know, it's, it's adapting, yeah. right? If you say to me about training, everything in training, I had a guy tell me, if you ate for your blood type, in a way, it wouldn't really work because if you're a part of a tribe and you say, well, I eat for my blood type, you wouldn't be able to adapt, mm-hmm. so you wouldn't survive. But he said, if somebody comes to you and goes, I'm eating for my blood type, and now I'm eating all these whole real foods, you'd say, eat for your blood type, right? So I think in a way what I'm learning in training, in marriage, in parenting, and even in aging, quite frankly, is just to be willing to adapt all the time um, because that's how we navigate these unknowns um, mm-hmm. that are ever-changing. As much as we don't want them to change, they will be changing. So It's not it, true. You think everything's dialed in. Oh, it's nothing's dialed. No. The minute you're dialed, you're dead. You're dead. Yeah, no, it's true. Life is, it really likes to be surprising. We'll come back to the conversation in just a minute. Skin care. Two little words that get a ton of airtime over here at Goop. Our passion runs deep. So deep we created our own line of powerful non-toxic skincare, published a book called Goop Clean Beauty, and just launched a drinkable collagen powder. So yes, we're mindful about what we put on our bodies, but we're equally tuned into what we're feeding them. And for better or worse, what I eat inevitably seems to show up on my skin, which is where delicious superfoods like blue diamonds, whole natural almonds can come in. An easy source of skin-friendly vitamin E, along with minerals and fiber, this is a snack that can help keep skin looking and feeling good. And it doesn't hurt that Blue Diamond's non-pareil supreme almonds are addictively snackable and satisfying. You can blend them right into smoothie bowls. I pack them for midday pick-me-ups when I'm traveling. And in the Goop Test Kitchen, the team uses them when they're cooking, too. Visit goop.com to get the full recipes our editors whipped up with Blue Diamond Whole Natural Almonds. Okay, back to Gabby. What do you eat in a typical day? I know you guys make superfoods. Yeah, so Laird forever, um, you know, I've been, we live in Hawaii part of the year and I had coffee, you know, coffee beans are always showing up in my house. This guy walks around in surf shorts, but like really nice coffee beans are always showing up. So 
out of this natural love for his coffee. Um, and Paul Cech, who's a really smart, interesting trainer, was putting ghee in Laird's coffee 16 years ago. And oh, I'd be, God, you guys could have had Bulletproof. It's okay. There's <laughs> enough for everybody. There's enough. And plus, they were having yak butter tea, you know, whatever, a long time ago. So, again, it's nothing original. But out of that came um, Laird. I do start my morning before I train with coffee with a, quite a bit of healthy fat, so coconut and um, real raw, whole, unprocessed butter or ghee. Mm -hmm. And then Laird has a series of creamers, superfood. He has turmeric creamer, cacao creamer, and uh, organic coffees and things like that. So that takes me through my training. And then usually um, mostly vegetable and then with a little bit uh, of high-quality animal protein. I do eat animal protein. Not tons of it, but I, for my vegans, I'm really sorry. I'm a meat eater. I've had people send me notes, I swear to God, on Facebook. You guys seem so great. I can't believe you eat meat. I'm like, I <laughs> So, but this is what I think. If you, if you talk to people who eat real food, I think they're closer in the middle, which is I just try to eat real food, not too many sauces. And I can feel like if I need to take a break. Mm -hmm. So I'll do intermittent fasting. I might add bone broths or things like mm -hmm. that during that time. But I keep it pretty simple. I try not to snack too much. Mm -hmm. I try to eat until I'm barely full. I think we overeat in general. It's amazing how much we don't really need. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've learned. I used to eat like a horse when I competed. It was a great excuse. Yeah. I just do less is more. And, and what people will say is like their weight and things like that. That's a lot of times it's stress and sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm not a great sleeper. I've always had, a con had to contend with sleep. So that's something I'm, I'm always working on is good sleep I hygiene. I saw that on your Instagram. That Continuously. You have genetic, you're not genetically inclined for good sleep, guys. I've, I, got a, I got some, some genetic issues yeah. with my sleep. But uh, yeah, it's just, it, you know, I think for me it's going, okay, if you go to bed around the same time, mm -hmm. the, you know, your body will start to get ready, wind down. It's like why we maybe try to put kids in bed around the same time. Dark room, keep your phone away. Cool room. Mm-hmm. So living up here, it'd be easy. Keep it at about 62. Isn't it so nice and yeah, so cold? Yeah, cozy. It'd be like if we slept on the ground and you had an animal for over you. That's really what it would be like. That would be amazing. Let's do that. It's called tonight. the chili pad. You guys yeah. haven't heard of it? No, I'm serious though. I mean, think about how we used to sleep. We weren't up on beds. So yeah. I think keeping things basic, yeah. even in the food, diets don't work. We know that. How do you track your body like the scale is obviously problematic for probably almost everyone in this sure. room. How do you, what matters to you? Like, are you measuring, what are you measuring? Or do you not measure? I don't measure. I, I ask myself, how am I feeling? How's my energy? And then the, the death measure would be, I'll take a look in the mirror and go, how's it looking? <laughs> I mean, I, for me, those are the indicators. When yeah. I wake up, do I feel refreshed and energetic? Like I can take the load on of the day. I can see it very quickly in my training. It's really transparent in my training. Mm. I mean, I can even tell at this point, and I'm sure a lot of you are not different, if I'm dehydrated in my training. It's, you know, listen, I, I know it's so cliche, but if we, there's a guy named Matt Fury. He does like insane things, but he'll say, don't even come see him to work on your stretching unless you're hydrated. I mean, you're 30% more pliable and flexible just by being hydrated. So, you know, this comes back to being honest with yourself. Are you doing the work? And are you doing all the things you can do to support yourself in feeling good and looking good? 
And if you're not, then ask yourself why. Mm -hmm. So if you're snacking, I mean, I used to joke, I have my youngest daughter's 10 and she's kind of a brute. And like, it's like an assault every time she walks in the room, right? And I used to joke that I would think about trying to grab chocolate or something every time I saw her to like medicate, <laughs> to deal with her, right? <laughs> no, but I'm joking, but it's like, we have these little things that we do in, you know, to cover or help us you know, with something else. And listen, if you want to eat chocolate because it tastes great and you want you enjoy it, that's the perfect reason. Mm-hmm. Same with food. But I think we can look at things, whether we're staying up too late, um, our relationships, our friendships, something going on in our job that's keeping us really from mm-hmm. when we talk about like, oh, this good health that I want. I know. It's so, I think you're absolutely right. And I feel like it's like everyone wants it to be so easy or it's not worth doing or it's impossible. Do you know what I mean? Like it's that sort of, it has to be those two things. It's either unattainable or you can do it as easily as you breathe. And the reality is, yeah, it's like drinking more water, which I'm personally terrible about. I am too. I'm always working on it. How do you work on it? I I just carry it around with me and then, or I suffer. You know, I I learned the good old fashioned way, the hard way, which is probably how I learn everything. Which is like, oh yeah, I'm, my muscles are stiff and I don't feel good and my skin isn't looking the way it normally does. And I just, yeah, hello, drink more water. So I think it's, it, you know, that's why those check-ins are important because mm-hmm. we, be, we can be honest with ourselves and, and nothing is easy, but nothing's impossible. I believe that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's so very important though to understand why mm-hmm. we want to do it. What's the hardest thing for you? Uh, you know what? I use tasks as an avoidance method. I use overworking, grinding out, you know, wiping down kitchen counters sometimes to avoid just being. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually for me that's been the, the biggest lesson is to just learn to take it in. You know, they say like, I'm, you know, I use the hammer a lot in my life and it was good, but it's not the only tool for the job. So I think that's the mm-hmm. thing that, um, because you miss a lot. Yeah. When you I think don't. that's my main armor too, is busyness. Mm. It's right? sometimes easier, I think. Yeah. Stillness is like, you have to really look at what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> it's true. And you have to look at yourself. But I, I would encourage people, you know, that I've heard this many times, we have two homes, the one we live on and the one we live in. Mm. I, I just think it makes it a lot easier when we feel good to navigate all these things. And w- women especially will put everything before themselves. And I would encourage you that today is a new day. Mm. And it doesn't matter if you're 20 or 60 or 70. or doesn't matter. We, al- we always have a chance to be a little bit better, for sure. Well, on that note, do you drink? Should we go Alcohol? have a cocktail? Yeah. Not really. Oh, Gabby. Oh, not too much. Like one glass of wine every couple months. Really? I'm in Canada. The Canadians are like, that's like sacrilege. I, I know. I'm so sorry. I just, I, it's, I mean, I'm a bore. What can I tell you? But at the end of the day, it's not serving me. And I don't feel better when I wake up in the morning that's after true. I've had tequila. So, but listen, that's the thing is how do we blow off steam? How do we get the edges soft? What do you think sugar is? It's the same yeah. thing. So sugar is your alcohol. Yeah, I'm not knocking anyone who drinks. I'm just, for me personally, it doesn't really work. 
Well, on that. Look at no. you guys were like, you guys were like, Gabby was awesome right till then. That's okay. I'll meet you out, any of you out back. We can talk about it. I can give you the science on it. Thank you for being Thank here. You. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to my chat with Gabby Reese today. She's brilliant and hilarious, and it was a real treat to meet her in person. And in case you were wondering, Gabby and I actually did end up sharing a glass of wine. Hers just happened to be made from adaptogenic berries and not alcohol. For more from Gabby, head to gabriellereese.com and check out goop.com slash the podcast. GP will be back on the podcast for regularly scheduled programming on Thursday. It's a super fun episode. I laughed out loud for a good part of it, and I think you will too. Next Tuesday, you can listen to our final InGoop Health episode in this three-part series. As always, we appreciate you listening, and we love hearing your feedback. Please rate, review, and share with your friends, and just tap subscribe if you want to keep up with new episodes. Talk soon.